0: Greetings, Podcast Universe. This is Gary Stern. And this is
1: Lucy Sang. We are the co-hosts of After the Glory podcast.
0: Every elite athlete has one thing in common. Their careers on the field of play will only be a tiny fraction of the life of meaning and purpose they hope to live. As UCLA alums from different generations, Gary and I
1: have discovered that the stories of these great athletes go far beyond their statistics. It
0: is our pleasure to share these stories with our listeners. We hope you will enjoy this latest episode of After the Glory. Our guest on this edition of After the Glory is James Loney, the elite professional baseball player from 2002 to 2019, including six memorable years with the Los Angeles Dodgers from 2006 to 2012, followed by stints with the Boston Red Sox and Tampa Bay Rays. James Loney was a top-tier player in the major leagues right from his rookie year, a reliable hitter and first baseman who had many memorable games over an 11-year major league career. James retired in 2019 and has now returned to the game as an agent for one of the elite sports agencies in the United States. James has set himself on a great path for the future. We hope you enjoy hearing from former major leaguer James Loney. Welcome, James. It's uh, great to have you with us on After the Glory with my partner, Lucy Tseng and I. How you doing? You hanging in there during this uh, pandemic time?
2: Yeah, yeah, making it through, you know. Got two little boys, so uh, keeping me pretty busy.
0: There you go. This is sort of an ironic uh, time, and we're in season two of our show. We have interviewed uh, ball players from the 40s and 50s, Carl Erskine. Uh, into the 60s with guys like Jerry Royce, uh, Steve Yeager, Reggie Smith. And you are our first ball player who played in the 2000s and are looking at your journey in life the rest of the way. And I'm curious um, if the sense of going forward in life after playing baseball is impacted by money considerations or more of a consideration of what do I want to do that is going to be meaningful to me and my family and my life going forward it, it's so different guys in the 40s and 50s had to worry about money it's different with the modern ball player how do you look at
2: that yeah i think for me it's been a combination of you know what impact do i want to have and and what do i really want to do you know what i mean um you spend your whole life playing ball you know at the field all day and you know for me at times you know i really wasn't sure right there's a lot of things that i thought i could see myself doing but you know it wasn't until i got done where i was like okay now i really want to um, you know hone down and, and pick a couple things
0: actually get started with uh, with questions from you about the early days so take it away
1: that's exactly where i was gonna go sure. into and i wanted to reference a uh, james comment about two little ones i don't have any human children but i got two dogs laying on my feet right now and they're both about 80 pounds and very active so i imagine our lifestyles are very similar with two young active a dependence in the household.
2: Yeah, yours might uh, it might it might be harder for you actually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for acknowledging that. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah. Most people
1: don't get it until you get it. <laughs> uh, James, why don't you tell us more about like your upbringing? What what's gotten to you to where you are today? And and my uh, infamous question that I ask every person we have a conversation is why baseball?
2: okay yeah so we we grew up right by a park so when i was like two years old balls would just come into the backyard and my parents would tell me i would just pick up the balls and throw them so then eventually they would just take me over to the park and start throwing me the balls and you know i think i hit my mom like right in the stomach like like the first day out so uh they're like oh we may, we we may have something here <laughs> so that was kind of the um the way it all started, just going to the park every day and, and hitting balls. Was it
0: obvious to you that baseball was going to be your sport, even as an 8, 9, 10-year-old?
2: Well, I really loved all sports, and I gravitated towards basketball a lot, too. Both of my parents actually played basketball. You know, I'd kind of stick to baseball during baseball season, basketball during basketball season when I was younger. And it wasn't until I got to high school that I, that I stuck to baseball only.
0: You were a pitcher and a first baseman, uh, probably played all positions. And of course, high school is special. You were part of a national, nationally ranked team. Um, was, a bit, was that about when you thought to yourself, you know what, I might be one of the few that's gonna make it all the way to the elite level of major league ball?
2: Yeah, I think for me, like I never really had a doubt that I, um, you know, wouldn't make it. I just, you know, I didn't know how it was up there, right? I didn't know about seeing 98, you know, seeing change ups and seeing nasty sliders, right? So, like, you try to have that confidence when you're in high school, but, you know, it's tough to, uh, to really know until you get there.
0: You were a, a top pitcher as well, but yet you were drafted uh, for uh, being a, th- a position player. Uh, was that disappointing or w- did you agree that that's where your destiny was going to be?
2: <laughs> it it kind of goes back to the same question a little bit uh, the last one where I was with my answers. Like, I didn't know about hitting 98 or uh, seeing sliders, so I was kind of scared to be a hitter at first. You know, I thought I'd be a pitcher, and I used my confidence and used the stuff that I had. But the uh, the Dodgers came to me and were like, hey, we want you to try hitting. So I was like, all right, let's 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 give it a crack. If it doesn't work out, maybe we can go to pitching.
0: And uh, college or The pro contract, what were the factors for you?
2: Well, I got called by the Dodgers uh, the day before the draft, and then they said they want to take me in the first round. So once I heard that, I was like, all right, I think college is going to be out for now. Yeah,
1: I can't say no to that. Come
2: (laughs) on. (laughs) But I did end up taking some college courses in the offseason. So I still believe in education, and I think it's key.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little more about that, James. What? Why did you pursue higher education even when you didn't have to since you you know have a career that will support you and your family
2: um my parents maybe no (laughs) I (laughs) was kidding I mean I've always liked learning new things you know and and I didn't you know a lot of people say college experience is great and you know still 18 and I had an off season I didn't have much going on so I I got to live on campus with a lot of the college baseball guys so I got to have that experience a little bit and um, you know I'm glad I did And then even after that, I continued to go to um, a little bit of Arizona State online. I still haven't graduated yet, but. uh, (laughs) You're working
1: on it. Working on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, as a parent now, what what are you thinking about if your children one day are in the shoes that you once were? Would you tell them to go straight to the league? Would you tell them to go to college? Would you tell them, what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, there's a lot of factors you know especially you know depending on where you get drafted and the plan that they have for you it's too hard to tell early on right now when they're you know when they're 12 13 years old but yeah you got to see the love you know that they have for the game and you got to see their talent too like I believe in being real with them and, and you know you know saying hey you got talent here or you don't have talent here or you know let's think about these kind of things you know having that humility too right like not being too cocky, not thinking like, oh, I'm going to be this, be this, that, and the other. It's like, no, you still got to work for it. And, uh, you know, those are things I want to instill in them.
0: Well, the, the remarkable thing about uh, the elite athlete, particularly in baseball, is that uh, that jump from that first contract to the major league team is, uh, is, is a huge jump. When we come back on After the Glory with Gary Stern, Lucy Sang, and our guest James Loney, We'll talk about those four years in the minors and getting up to the show when we come back on After the Glory.
3: Thinking about a new or used car? Think Infinity of Thousand Oaks. We've been serving Thousand Oaks in Southern California for years. We have new used and certified pre-owned Infinity vehicles available now with many special offers. There's something for everyone at Infinity of Thousand Oaks. Your home for the best deals on Infinity cars. With the COVID pandemic, we offer contactless sales. Call our office at 805-262-7442 or visit Infinity of Thousand Oaks. Pick out a vehicle and we'll deliver it to your home or office with all the paperwork done with the power of the internet. Our award-winning sales and service team is waiting to give you the best service in buying a vehicle you've ever had. Call us today at 805-262-7442 and make an appointment for your new 2021 Infinity. Or visit our website at infinityofthousandoaks.com. Infinity of Thousand Oaks is a proud sponsor of After the Glory. University Credit Union has been providing a financial edge to members for over 70 years. Now you can earn more with University Credit Union. Earn up to 5% APY with a university checking account for the banking that you already do. You'll save more when you switch your deposits and loans to University Credit Union. Bank with your brain. Visit ucu.org to join today. Federally insured by NCUA. Terms and conditions apply.
1: And we're back on after the glory with our special guest James Loney. James, tell us about your minor league experience. Any uh, nooks and crannies you want to let us know about?
2: Well, I remember my first year in Great Falls, Montana. That was my rookie season. I, um, you know, you had to get in after batting practice to get lunch, or it'd be gone. You know, it'd be gone quick, right? And it was usually just peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So uh, <laughs> I made an effort to uh, rush off the field and. And do that so that's always a memory that sticks out um yeah we had some long bus rides as well you know maybe 10 to 14 hours stuff like that but having you know being my first year and you know this being you know my dream i never really let it affect me uh it was just part of the part of the process right
0: yeah for sure well, let's kind of follow up on the idea of the dream um everybody that i know knows that baseball is one of those sports where Just about everybody has played it at one time or another. But the number of people who get to the major leagues is such a small percentage of all who've ever picked up a glove or a bat. When did the dream first become a reality for you? Was it high school? Was it even earlier that you thought, I'm going to be one of the ones that could uh, make it all the way?
2: Yeah, I think I would say probably sometime in middle school when I just realized – Like, this is all I want to do. (laughs) You know, There was other things I liked, but there wasn't anything else that I saw myself wanting to, you know, have as a career. So I really feel like, you know, that was kind of uh, the starting point then.
0: And, And that dovetails pretty neatly into the central question we ask a lot of people, which is the average career, and yours was longer, but the average career might be three, four years, and then there's 50, 60 years of life afterwards. At any point while you're living the dream, are you thinking ahead, or is that just something that doesn't happen until after it's time to to face sort of the reality of retirement?
2: I mean, you hear all kind of different stories with different guys. Uh, you know, I wasn't the guy that had like ten business ideas in double A, or you know, I want to have you know restaurants and stuff like that. Um, you know, I was kind of still in that phase of you know I like diff- like certain things, but I'm just not thinking about committing to them after baseball um you know that, that was just the way i was and, and you know as of now you know i'm working as an agent so that's been great it's been a great fit for me and i'm still in the game and but i don't have to be on the field for 10 hours a day so uh it's been a good uh experience and i'm glad uh, i'm glad it worked out now
1: well, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that you didn't necessarily think about life after the glory days while you were in the locker room, but did you hear the conversations about life after the glory? Were, were ballplayers talking about things like that or, or was it kind of like do it on your own type of
2: thing? Um, yeah, guys would talk, you know, we'd have those conversations sometimes and, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I was just kind of like, all right, just, just work your butt off and do really well. And you don't have to work after baseball, <laughs> you know, Wouldn't that like, be nice. Yeah. So, <laughs> That was always my thought process. And, you know, once I got to play 11 seasons, I was like, all right, I I did really achieve, you know, what I wanted to do, so.
0: And and that really does raise some interesting points here. You had a solid major league career. You were the everyday first baseman for the Dodgers for a few years. You were part of, of course, as Dodger fans know, one of the biggest trades in Dodger history in uh, 2012, I think it was, uh, involving Adrian Mm -hmm. Gonzalez the business part of the game, did it bother you? Did it bother you that that you were traded, that that, that, that you moved around, uh, or did you, had you gained some sense that, well, this is the business part and I have to accept it?
2: At that time, you know, I think it was the right time for me to, to get out of LA. It was, it was my year before my free agent year. I mean, it was the year, yeah, the year before my free agent year, so I was probably not gonna come back anyways. And I wasn't having a great year, you know what I mean? And, and the Dodgers were so great to me. Um, You know, the whole time I was there, drafted in 02, got traded in 12. So that's, you know, 10 years. And um, but no, you know, I just felt like it was time for the next chapter and the next journey. And Boston was always a a team that I admired growing up and just the, the nostalgia of that organization. So.
1: And on a similar note, what was it like navigating personal life, your family, uh, you know, mm-hmm. any other things that you might have been attached to in LA or anywhere else? What what was that like, you know, kind of being on someone else's queue?
2: Yeah, no, I had just met my uh, my future wife at that time, so we were just dating, or yeah, we were just dating. So um, it wasn't too hard, where we had to, you know, pack up, you know, the kids or dogs, like you know, if like you have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I had to learn all that after when I started playing with Tampa. So that was definitely a whole nother uh element to uh to my life.
1: What was that like?
2: It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was fun, you know. It was just um it's not all about you anymore, right? So now you gotta figure out how to get on someone else's schedule or You know, you got to run to the store for a certain item that you have no idea where it's at. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's how it felt.
0: James, there are two parts to the last few years of your uh, uh, field play, Uh, Boston, Tampa Bay, and those last few years where you moved around and it was clear that the statistical achievements of the earlier years, the, the nine RBI games, the Grand Slam home runs, were not happening for you. And there, there's an old saying about teams wanting to let, let a player go a year too early rather than a year too late. Can you share with our audience that the feeling that the achievement wasn't happening the way you wanted it in the last few years and how you ultimately address that uh, toward the ultimate time when you're going to decide, well, I'm going to have to hang it up?
2: You know, I was always a guy that didn't hit for like a ton of power for playing first base. And I think I was always on a quest to to figure out why. So you know, I would tinker a lot with, you know, my stance or, you know, where my hands were and stuff like that. Just trying to be great. Right. And, you know, once I got towards the end, um, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, you're kind of limited in what position you play. And I wasn't the fastest guy in the world. So, you know, I kind of knew. You know that time would be coming you know at some point and uh but I waited on them to kick me out I didn't I didn't really volunteer
0: <laughs> well is that is that reality at least tied in some manner to the contract in other words you know the modern ball player even um if their skill set is dropping off a little bit you're still making a ton of money is that a part of the factors that that uh, go into what what you're going to do
2: it's a, I think it's a lot to what the team's going to do, right? Like if you're in the last year of a contract and you're not doing well, you know, they're probably not going to bring you back. If you're in a big contract and it's your first year, you know, you have a lot more time, right? So it's like you kind of see the writing on the wall, depending on where you're at. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I was still always trying to, you know, still keep playing and, um, you know, keep pushing forward.
1: When we come back on After the Glory with James Loney, we'll ask him about life after those glory days, even though he's finding glory in these days now too.
4: Since 1980, Woodland Hills lawyer Gary Stern has been known as a lawyer's lawyer, passionate about his clients and equally passionate about bringing honor, dignity, and respect to the legal profession. Gary Stern represents folks seriously injured because of healthcare negligence, defective and dangerous products and property, neglect in long-term care facilities, and careless operation of cars and trucks. He has successfully resolved hundreds of cases for his clients, providing them with the financial help they needed during trying times. Gary Stern is a member of the prestigious National Trial Lawyers Top 100, active with consumer attorneys of Los Angeles and California, and is admitted to the Bar of the Supreme Court of the United States. And most important, I am proud to call him Dad. You can reach Gary Stern at 818-710-2717 or visit his website at www.sternlaw.org.
0: Have you ever wanted to experience the thrill of playing spring training baseball with some of the game's legends? At LADABC, we believe you should be able to live your dream of being a pro baseball player, and now you can. The LADABC Adult Baseball Camp is an independently owned and operated fantasy camp for men and women over the age of 30. As an independent camp, You can be a fan of any team from any city, and you'll feel right at home with us. Our next camp is scheduled for November 7th through the 13th, 2021, and will be held at the historic Dodger Town Complex in Vero Beach, Florida, now known as the Jackie Robinson Training Complex. You'll play ball all week long on the best practice fields in the nation. You'll enjoy use of -of state-of-the-art facilities, and you'll be pampered and cared for just like a major leaguer. We invite you to visit our website and sign up for our November 2021 camp. Just go to www.ladabc.com. That's com.
1: Back on After the Glory with James Loney. James, what are you up to now? You mentioned it earlier, but I love the details.
2: Talking to you guys. That's what I'm, what I'm hanging <laughs> with you <guys> now.
1: <laughs> That's a cop out answer. I want to know everything uh, about your new career.
2: I'm doing podcasts every week now. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> um yeah so I, I signed on with an agency um called vayner baseball under vayner sports and um i don't know if you heard of a guy named gary V, gary Vaynerchuck. absolutely it, of course yeah, yeah so if you don't know of,
1: then you know now <laughs>
2: yeah right <laughs> so he's kind of you know you know running that um agency you know with his name on it and uh you know, I'm working with Greg Gensky, who's the president of the baseball operations part of it, who was with the legacy agency. So, uh, no, it's been great. You know what I mean? Just kind of learning that side of the, uh, the game, you know, still fighting for players and still competing.
0: Is there a, uh, a process of certification that you have to go through to become a sports agent?
2: Yeah. So uh, you have to take a certification test.
0: And have you already done that? Or is that you're still in the yeah. process of that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I already, already did it. I already passed it. So who it.
0: are you representing?
2: So our biggest client is Justin Turner from the Dodgers. Hey now. (laughs) Uh, We have Tommy Pham from the Padres.
0: How do you look at being an agent for for baseball? Having been a player yourself, what do you bring to the role of the agent that makes it somewhat unique? Because I don't think there are too many former major leaguers, particularly ones who had an an accomplished career as you did, who have gone into being a sports agent. What what do you bring to the uh, table? Uh, for these athletes.
2: I think Dave Stewart's probably the the biggest name that comes to mind as far as an agent, but yeah. So like at the agency that I'm at now, we're kind of, you know, we call ourselves like this one-stop shop, you know, right now I'm dealing with a lot of player development, you know, I'll help guys with video or, you know, I'll throw BP into guys like, you know, if guys want to get work in and it's really helping guys, you know, from that aspect to become better players. Right. You know, we also have Vernon Wells with us. He's an agent as well. know the biggest thing for us is is being diverse like we have you know social media guys you know we have we obviously have the contract guys so it's kind of evolving into the the new age you know being up with the times you know it's not just like an old agency where okay we're going to get you a car deal do your contract and a glove deal you know it's like hey can we um you know get you into different investments can we uh you know get your followers up if we need to because we want to post. you know we want you to post stuff on social media so it's just kind of a, a one-stop shop for the new age
1: James I'm glad you're bringing this up as you know I am a life coach and I work with athletes transitioning into life after sports your role right now is obviously helping these athletes dive into a strong and fruitful athletic career what are you guys doing for the athletes in terms of helping them process or at least be prepared for the same experience you went through in transitioning into life after the glory days
2: you know, what I really love about this is just educating them. You know what I mean? Like educating them on the process, you know, educating them on the business deals off the field, educating them on their contracts. Right. Cause um, you know, not all agencies do that. You know, they're just happy with their percentage and they just move on. So, you know, that, that's one of our biggest things when we talk to guys is we want them in the know, you know, what do you want to do after baseball? If you don't know yet, we can help you with that. We can give you ideas. Um, And that's why I enjoy doing it. You know, it's kind of, you know, this is a choice for me. So, um, you know, I feel like I'm giving back in a way as well.
0: You know, that's fabulous, James. And I'm curious about some related issues that are uh, sort of uh, hot topics in the world of sports now. Um, In baseball, there are so few African-Americans compared to the way it used to be. Um, And, of course, reviving baseball for inner cities was one national program that's had success um what are your thoughts about uh, where the game is at as far as uh, the african-american athlete and, and interesting them in the sport of baseball
2: i think it's starting to pick it back up a little bit you know i know in the past basketball and football you know have been leading um in those categories and i get it you know it's easy to pick up a football and go play it's easy to pick up a basketball and go play baseball you know you need equipment you need a field you need players right it's tough um it's a hard game you know especially as a hitter and um you know so i understand you know why basketball and football have taken over you know in the past you know i think with baseball it's just getting out there in the community right like you said with rbi you know it's a great program here in compton uh california where they're you know having kids out there you know educating them on the game and i think if you can get kids better at the game they'll be more apt to want to play it you know but if you know, if they're not getting better and they're getting frustrated, it's going to be tough for them to, uh, to want to keep up with it.
0: I'm curious about the influences that you had during the years with the Dodgers, which is the team you were with the most number of years. You, uh, of course, people like me who've been around the, the team and as a fan for all my life, uh, uh, I know that the players that you would have seen in spring training, Maury Wills's, the Tommy Davises, guys like that, um, were they were they important people to know uh, as you were a young player uh, in your first years with the Dodgers and did they have influence on you
2: oh yeah yeah they did I mean they're always so um, outgoing you know when I first got drafted you know I remember having Maury Wills telling me to run the bases uh, after my BP group and um, you know yeah they were great they were such a it was such a close-knit family Don Newcomb you know rest in peace and it was just, um, you know, a warm atmosphere. You know, they wanted us to do well. You know, they talked to everybody, no matter what color your skin. And, um, you know, they had some stories, obviously, and the stuff that they went through. And uh, it was just nice seeing them around a lot. Uh,
0: we're taping this episode, uh, James, on January 22, 2021. And as you know, this morning, the news came out that uh, Henry Aaron passed away, one of the true icons of uh, baseball. I assume that that those sort of legacy players, likewise, have have informed you regarding the game?
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, I was fortunate enough to meet him with Don Newcomb in Atlanta at like a luncheon. And, uh, you know, he was awesome. And, you know, he said like the things he did for baseball and like the things that he went through as well, um, you know, were so impactful for today's game and for today's youth. So I think it's just, you know, guys like myself, guys like other uh, minority players, just to keep, you know, being out in the public eye or being out on social media or, or helping any way we can uh, in the community to, um, you know, to keep, the, keep their legacy alive and keep the, uh, the legacy alive of baseball.
0: When we come back on After the Glory, we'll have some closing comments and some closing thoughts with our guest, former major leaguer, former Dodger, nine RBI player, James Loney, when we <laughs> come back.
1: Hey, this is Lucy Sang here from Resiliency. I am a certified life coach focused on working with athletes and like-minded people in finding and pursuing success in life outside of sports. My goals are to serve as an accountability partner and offer different perspectives while my clients are facing big challenges and decisions. I also lead workshops and offer group coaching on topics such as avoiding burnout or transferable skills. Follow me on Instagram at resiliency, R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-S-E-E underscore coaching, resiliency underscore coaching for more information. As a co-host of After the Glory, I am excited to share my expertise in working with athletes and look forward to connecting with all you listeners to learn more of your stories as well. As we wrap up this episode with James Loney, James, let us know what are some of the passions in your life nowadays. What have you been working on besides your new career as an agent?
2: Yeah, so I've just uh, signed on with this mentorship program to help kids out with um, nutritional health and physical health. Mm. And um, you know, my brother's keeper is uh, is a big you know program that I was involved with, and I'm getting back involved with them now. And uh, actually, tennis wow yeah trying to stay in shape
1: Are you trying to go for an open or what I'm
2: just yeah I'm, I'm reading i'm reading an andre Agassiz book right now so okay. uh yeah that's pretty crazy
1: wow well you know let me ask you this um, we have hopefully a guest coming up who is going to help kind of shed some light on one of the biggest issues pro athletes deal with after retirement from sports and that is obesity and you know something that you just brought up now is you know nutrition and health what was it like for you to transition into not necessarily you know having someone tell you what to eat or even prepare meals for you and having to learn those skills on your own and and why is that important for you to teach the young ones about that nowadays
2: yeah I mean I think there's just so much information out there now of you know what you know nutritional food does for your body and especially you know later down in your life and not to say that you know you can't have a cheat meal or you know have some some bad food every you know now and again but it's just more of uh, creating like a lifestyle right of alright you know for me it's like I do want to look a certain way I do want to feel a certain way right I want to be healthy um, and there's just so much information out there of what kind of foods to eat and and even kind of when to eat them right like things like that and you know how your metabolism is and like all that kind of stuff so i've been kind of digging into that a little more and uh you know making sure uh i'm healthy
1: what's your go-to cheat meal
2: <laughs> or i, mean, I guess I, a handful I, of them <laughs> i guess it, it's probably everybody's right pizza you know oh it's mine is good.
1: definitely chili cheese fries with oh, pastrami
2: <laughs> okay <laughs> wow that is it that's a cheat meal right there yeah
0: there you, you bet go. gotta get all the calories
2: <laughs> yeah i like it i
0: like it james let me let me close with something that um we have also asked a number of our guests um when you're on the field in front of fifty thousand fans and 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 that of course all players have not had that experience the last year or so in all the major sports which of course is a, a strange feeling for all of them playing to empty stadiums. But when you have that experience for eleven years of going out there, playing the sport you love in front of all those people and the adrenaline they give you, and then you leave it behind, what do you do? Or 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 is it an issue in a day to day life to not have that sort of adulation, cheering that's a part of 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 what gives you that adrenaline? Is there a need to replace it or is it something you're able to put aside and, and say well that that's over
2: i don't think there's a need to replace it you know because that's you know it's not the most important thing in the world you know you realize that whether you you know before you play in the game or or when you're done um you know i think what's important is you know finding things you love to do you know helping others um you know those those things are you know more important than an individual career so you know, I think having a family helps me help me learn that as well. Um, you know what I mean. So it's just kind of like you know, simple things can be really enjoyable. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I've been kind of obsessed with tennis a little bit. So maybe you'll see me in those stadiums again. There okay. you go. There you go.
0: <laughs> well, it has been a pleasure to visit with James Loney, who gave a lot of Dodger fans and Tampa Bay fans and Boston fans a lot of thrills with the quality of his at-bats, some of the great moments in Dodger history in the 2000s were provided to us by James Loney. So, James, it's great to hear what you're doing nowadays and and that you're on a path towards some real significant work, uh, both personally and professionally. Thank you for being with us today on After the Glory.
2: Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.
0: Uh, We are always thankful to our producer, Mr. Mark Allen, to our recording engineer, the insane Daryl Wayne, and uh, until next time, on behalf of Lucy, saying, "This is Gary Stern on After the Glory."